Sorry for this intrusion. This is Barbara. I just wanted to let you know that we have a webinar coming up on February 8th, 2024, and it's all about remote patient monitoring. Now, this is a way that you can add revenue to your practice while you are improving your patient care. And if you are a rural health clinic or a federally qualified healthcare clinic and you have been excluded, well, guess what? As of January of this year, you can now partake in this. So just go ahead and go over to npbusiness.org forward slash RPM 2024 or send me a message and we'll make sure that you get into that webinar. npbusiness.org forward slash RPM 2024. Now let's get you back to the podcast. This is the NP Business Matters podcast, episode number 63, Why You Can't Bootstrap Without the Boots. Hello and welcome to the NP Business Matters podcast. I'm your host, Barbara C. Phillips, founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner, also known as NPBO. Now, this is the podcast dedicated to helping you, the nurse practitioner. And since 2007, we've been working with you on the business of being a nurse practitioner, providing education, resources, and support as you start grow and operate your very own practice. You can learn more by visiting us at npbusiness.org. Today's session was inspired by an email I received not too long ago from an NP whom I'll call Anne. She was rather dismayed at the cost of starting a practice. She simply wanted to be able to see patients in long-term care assisted living facilities and at home and she felt the cost was too high. We exchanged a few emails, and it was clear to me she had not done the research she needed to do. And fortunately, this is not an isolated question. It's not uncommon for NPs to approach business with the idea that they can bootstrap their business. And indeed, if you do an internet search, you'll find tons of articles on how to bootstrap your business. And indeed, there are many companies that did just that with their startups and became quite successful. However, all it really means is they did not go after investors or other fundraising. It's important to remember that these companies still had their boots. In other words, they still had some startup capital. So today let's talk about why you can't bootstrap without the boots. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. So let's define bootstrapping. Now that phrase, quote, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, unquote, seems to have originated shortly before the turn of the century. And I mean, the 20th century is is what I'm talking about here. So as far as I was able to find, there was a question in a late 1800s physics school books, of all things, that asked the question, why cannot a man lift himself up by pulling up on his bootstraps? Apparently, 
It was meant to be a sarcastic question suggesting that this was impossible. However, over the years, it's now been commonly accepted to use it to mean that we can improve our socioeconomic status, even if it's something that is difficult to do. So today, bootstrapping a business implies that we are going to start our business, but doing so with the available resources that we have. We're not seeking outside funding. We're not using investors or getting loans or anything like that. So in other words, we'll be starting and growing our business just with what we have available to us. We won't be seeking any outside funding or outside help. That often means that we're going to put in a lot of sweat equity, if you will. But again, just to be clear, there are some resources to begin with, just not a whole lot of them. Now, when we're thinking about starting any kind of a business, and I don't care what it is, any kind of business, but most of us are thinking about practices, the first thing that we all need to be able to do is do some research. We need to know what it is we're doing. We need to know if there's a market for it to begin with. And we have to figure out what is it we need and what is going to be the cost of starting that business. And of course, whenever you're looking at a practice, particularly for NPs, that cost is going to vary. It's going to depend on the kind of practice you're starting, where you're starting it, and those sorts of things. And by the way, in episode number 52 of the NP Business Matters podcast, I talked about what does it cost to start a practice. And I'll make sure that I Link to that in our show notes over at npbusiness.org forward slash boots. Now, when doing your research, you'll need to consider everything that is going to cost you money. All right. So going back to Anne, she shared with me just a few of the items that she was concerned about. And I really don't know how many other things were on her list of cost. But the two things that she was most concerned about that she shared with me was the cost of one, a collaborating physician that was going to cost her $750 a month plus a $500 finder's fee and an EMR at $500 a month. So again, she didn't mention any other costs, but these were the things that she was concerned about. So here's the thing. When starting a practice, there are a lot of costs to consider. And it's up to us to come up with a budget itemizing our costs, as well as what our projected income is going to be. Obviously, you need to make sure that whatever business that you're going to be doing is not going to cost you money, but will allow you to make money. You have to do that financial prospectus. Even when you're doing this as a side hustle, you still have to have the money to get started. And again, there are plenty of people who will bootstrap a business, but you still got to have those resources to get started. Now, again, I don't know what Anne was thinking about, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a list, 10 items that I think that any nurse practitioner 
has to think about when starting a mobile practice. Now, this is just the basics. Okay, I'm not going into extra stuff, just just the basics. So let's assume that that NP is going to be seeing patients in a nursing home, an assisted living facility, and in the patient's home. Again, this is overall, and it's very basic and not at all inclusive. So the first thing, you need to have a professional license and your business license. You'll want to create that corporate structure, an LLC or a PLLC at minimum, depending on your state requirements. And the cost of that is going to, again, vary, not only with what your state charges, but if you engage the services of an attorney, that's going to be added fees. Now, when you think about licenses, because you still have to pay for your professional license, you'll have to pay for your business license, you may also need a DEA license, which currently, by the way, runs $881. And if you're going to be doing any point of care labs, you'll also need that CLIA waiver, currently about $150 every two years. The next thing you need to think about are insurances. Every clinician, every business needs to purchase insurance, and there's various kinds of insurance policies. In the very last episode of the NP Business Matters podcast, I talked about the various business insurances that you'll want to have. So in addition to just those insurances as a mobile practice, Anne's going to need to make sure that her vehicle insurance is converted to a vehicle insurance for business use. And on top of that, depending on what she's going to be storing in her car, she may need to have additional coverage to cover the loss of some of those items. So number three, Anne mentioned collaborating physician. So she talked about 750 months plus a finder's fee of $500. So this tells me that she was using a service to find a collaborating physician. Now, before I would turn to a service, I would certainly exhaust all of my own resources in looking for that collaborating physician. Because if you're using a service, according to some of the nurse practitioners that I've spoken with, and I'm not going to mention with which services, but you can expect to pay upwards of $2,000 for finding that physician collaborator, plus whatever monies that you've agreed to pay the collaborator. So obviously, this is going to vary with the service and your location and you've got to go into it with your eyes wide open. This is no different than paying a recruiter or a headhunter to find an employee, right? And if you've ever had a recruiter come to you to recruit you into some other organization, you need to understand that that business paid that recruiter to find you, okay? There was a price on your head, if you will. It's no different with these services. Now, if you are interested in getting some understanding about what it takes to find a collaborator, as well as the written agreement you want with that collaborating physician, we have a resource available to you, a quick guide to collaboration, which I'll include in our show notes as well. Now, number four, you need the services of a CPA. All right. And you can expect to pay for that. 
CPAs are going to vary from state to state and region to region. And it is something that you should absolutely be talking with when you get started in your business. So number five, let's talk about those EHRs. Anne mentioned an EHR that was $500 a month. Now I'm going to assume that it was just the EHR and not billing because she didn't mention that. And if you're looking to keep your costs down, it's essential that you shop around for an EHR. There are some that you can use for free for maybe a limited number of patients. An example of that would be Charm EHR. You can also get Office Allies EHR at $30 a month per provider. You don't need to spend $500 a month just to chart. But it's really important to figure out what's essential. What is it that you actually need when you're looking for an EHR? So number six, billing. Now you can certainly do the billing yourself and and that's probably relatively feasible if you're seeing a low number of patients. And if that's the case, I recommend that you actually take the time to learn what you can bill for, how to do your billing, how to follow up on claims. This may also necessitate, necessitate that you go ahead and take a course in how to do that. So you need to figure out the cost of that as well. Now, you may or may not need to pay for some sort of practice management slash billing platform. And by the way, I mentioned Office Ally earlier, but they have Practice Mate that can integrate with Office Ally, but you can use it as a standalone billing product as well. And it is free to use, F-R-E-E. So that's something definitely to look into. Now, if you hire someone to do your billing, obviously you'll need to pay for those services. And the most common fee structure is generally a percentage of revenue based on what it is your practice brings in. And so there's a whole lot more that we can talk about billing and maybe we'll do an episode just on billing. But for right now, we're going to leave it here. Now, number seven, let's talk about equipment. I'm going to assume that you already have the basic equipment that you need, you know, your stethoscope, your computer, maybe a few other items. And you can sell those items to your business, if you will, helping to keep the cost down. But if you don't have those things, then you're going to need to purchase them. And by the way, when we talk about computer equipment, there's a whole host of things that I didn't include here that you need to look into in terms of data security. Okay, that is not something that these days you can just skip on by. You absolutely need to look into that. Number eight, you'll definitely need some sort of communication system. And while you probably already have your own cell phone number, ideally, you want something else for professional purposes. It used to be that I would carry two separate cell phones, one completely dedicated to the practice. But there's a lot of apps available and services now that you can actually use your cell phone and have two separate numbers on it. And you can call out from that business number and you can call out from your your personal number. So you can definitely keep them separate. Now, I know a lot of people like to use Google Voice. 
And it is free. So that's a great place to get started. However, it seems to me I keep hearing about Google Voice being canceled or they're going to take it away because it is just a free service. And I don't want to have that worry. I would prefer to pay for something so that I don't have to worry too much about that aspect of it. Obviously, they can always pull it, but you generally get more bells and whistles with it as well. So I happen to use SmartLine. That's by GoDaddy, and it costs me $120 a year. People can message me. They can call me. They can text me. I can use the app to call out from that practice number and no one ever sees my cell phone number. Now, there are other services that are very similar, such as Spruce and Ring Central and a variety of other ones. You can simply um, Google that and find out all kinds of, of resources there. Now, number nine, in that same communication bucket, you want to consider text messaging. And the reason why that is so important is because that is what people are more and more going to. It's a great way to be able to set up for appointment reminders. Um, People will often respond to text messaging when they won't respond to a phone call or an email. So those are just things to think about. Of course, you need to look for services that are going to be HIPAA compliant when you're starting to look at the SMS and everything else that is out there. I know Spruce Health is one of those things that does all of that, that you can definitely be looking at. And number 10, in line with communication is also marketing. And you must, 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 must have a website. Marketing is key to any practice. I don't care if you're going to see just a couple of patients a week on your own or if you're going to do a full bore practice. There is no reason not to have a website. I mean, at one time you could kind of get around with it, but anymore, if you're a business and you do not have some kind of a web presence, people look at that and think it's kind of shady. So definitely you'll need to figure in some kind of a web presence. And in addition to that, you'll want to have business cards, maybe some brochures or other leave behind material. You will always need to market from day one until day end when you close that practice. You will always have patients that you will lose through attrition. They will either pass away, they'll move on to another provider, they'll move out of the area, whatever the case may be. So you're going to always need to be marketing. That's one of those things that many people seem to don't, they don't pay that much of attention until they realize they don't have enough patients. So you've got to market all the time. Now, these are just a few of the things, and actually I've numbered them as 10, but there's so many more in there. But I would consider these things as bare minimum for any provider, any practice, seeing patients in a nursing home, assisted living in private homes. And remember, this isn't an all-inclusive list, and it may vary with your situation. As you can tell, it still requires you to do some research, looking at your numbers, coming up with your budget, and still having cash 
on hands to get started. You still have to have the boots so that you can pull up those bootstraps. Anne is not alone in her dilemma. And if you, like Anne, are trying to get started with no money, I would absolutely recommend that you just put this on pause. You take the time to do the research, save up the money that you need to get started in your practice. And if you find the numbers are just too much, as Anne did, you know, very unaffordable for her, then this may not be the right time to start your own practice. Starting a practice seems to be the thing to do right now. The thing is, is starting a practice, starting a business is not for everyone. And you need to take the time to do your own soul searching. You need to research the cost, uh, the potential income. You need to plan. Planning is key to being successful. And of course, depending on the kind of business that you want to start and the research, it it just may be more extensive, as certainly your cost can be. I mean, obviously, if you're starting something like a med spa where you're doing high-end derm type things, sorry, that's not my area of expertise, you may end up doing things like lasers and, and whatnot, and that's also going to cost you a heck of a lot more. Starting out with some capital is absolutely necessary. And it should be clear by now that you cannot bootstrap a practice unless you have the boots. You cannot create it from nothing. It is going to cost money. Now, if you're already in business, I want you to do some thinking here. I am suggesting that we all start taking a look at what our costs are and where we might need to make some changes. In an upcoming episode of the podcast, I'm going to talk about what we can do so that we can reduce the impact of any economic downturn or recession. Obviously, in today's world, that's what it looks like we're heading to. And so now is a good time to take a step back if you haven't already and sit down and figure out where you are right now. Now, please don't forget to head over to the show notes and you can find the links to the episodes that I talked about and any other resources. And that's at npbusiness.org forward slash boots. I want to thank you because I so appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast. And if you like this and you got value, please share it with your colleagues. Give us a rating on the iTunes podcast or wherever you subscribe to podcasts and give us a thumbs up as well. This will help others find us, which is so important. Knowledge is power and NPs need to understand the business of being a nurse practitioner. That's it for this episode of the NP Business Matters podcast. I'm Barbara C. Phillips, founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the NP Business Matters podcast. Bye-bye now.